Hello, friends, and welcome to the Medicine Stories podcast, where we are remembering what it is to be human upon the earth, dropping the cultural lies that keep us disconnected and disempowered, and moving closer into kinship with the earth, the ancestors, and our deep selves so that we can live lives of connection, healing, and empowerment. If you believe that story is medicine, magic is real, and healing is open-ended and endless, then you've found your people. I'm herbalist Amber Magnolia Hill, and I'm here to remind you with each and every episode that earth wisdom and ancestral connection are your birthright. This knowledge is in your bones, and you came into your body carrying your own unique medicine. This podcast aims to help you remember that every day. This is episode 45, a solo show all about connecting with your ancestors. I am going to talk about the kind of people that you, yes, you, are descended from, how knowing our ancestors helps us to know ourselves, and three ways to connect with your ancestors. If you are adopted or don't have a lot of information or are a person of color who is cut off from access to information, then listen on. But first, a listener spotlight. This iTunes review comes from Sarah De La Luna, and it's titled Absolute Love. I've been listening to this podcast every day since discovering it, and it has been incredibly life-changing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You have inspired me deeply, introduced me to so many resources, and said just the right words I needed to hear in the moment to reawaken something in my soul. I keep having that feeling of, oh, I needed to hear that. I signed up to be a patron. Keep on keeping on. In deep gratitude, Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, There is nothing more nourishing to my soul than reading the iTunes reviews for this podcast. I will sometimes go days or weeks without doing it, and then I'll check in again, and I'll just be like shocked and flooded by the wonderful things that people are saying about the work that I'm doing here, and it really keeps me going. It feeds me and it tells me that there's a need for the conversations we're having on this show and just really inspires me to like work even harder to keep the podcast coming. I'm actually, there's a little secret y'all, I'm very much in the process of trying to make this a weekly show, which I didn't think would happen for another few years basically until Nixie was in kindergarten. She's two and a half now, and I'm just feeling it. I'm just feeling it. It's time to do it. I think I can do it. One of the ways I'm going to do it is by doing more solo shows like this one. Um, After the last one, I released episode 43, A Plant Spirit Healing Story. I heard from so many people who said that the solo shows are actually their favorite. And I hear that every time I release one. And I realize that that's a really easy way that I can make this a weekly podcast. Um, You know, it's a lot more work doing an interview and putting that out. But if I can intersperse more shows that are just me talking about the things we talk about in the interviews, then I can put this out way more often. And I started making a list of things I could talk about, and it's already so long. So I have no lack of content that I know you all will love. 
Um, so I'm super excited. You might notice this is the first episode that's coming out a week after the last one, and there is going to be another one next week. And by speaking this out loud right now, I'm kind of, um, you know, committing to doing it. So yay, let me know what you think if you like this idea. And if you'd like to hear your name on the podcast, please leave an iTunes review. Um, That's the way to get it done. And I just appreciate it so, so much. Also very much appreciate subscribers. It makes um, a huge difference in the numbers. And then that makes a big difference in who iTunes and the other podcast server companies um, and how many people they suggest this podcast to. And it helps me get better guests on, honestly. Not everyone asks how many listeners does your show get, but some people do. And so the bigger that number is, the more likely I am to entice the big names. Um, So whichever listening platform you use, please subscribe. That way you always get the episode right away when it comes out too. Um, And if you like what you hear today, please screenshot while you're listening and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. I love seeing them. Um, For a long time, I went through this phase of like not checking my Instagram messages all the time because it just became too overwhelming. But I have more space in my life to do it. And so I've really been trying to check it more often, trying to see what people are saying, communicate with the people who are trying to communicate with me. And sometimes I do miss stories that I'm tagged in because they disappear after 24 hours. But um, I love seeing what you're doing there. And I love trying to repost them too. Oh, and um, on Patreon for this episode, I'm going to have this post available for free, available for everyone, not just um, patrons. But there's a written component of what I'm going to talk about today. It's, you know, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to like copy and paste it and have it on your own somewhere, then you can find it there at patreon.com slash medicine stories. It's basically what I am about to speak in written form. So without further ado, let's talk about coming to know your ancestors. You come from a long line of healers, midwives, songstresses, herbalists, dancers, birth givers, artists, and wise folk. You are a direct descendant of powerful visionaries and earthwise geniuses, and their ancient knowing resonates today deep in your marrow. These are not empty platitudes or the wishful thinking of modern spiritual yearners, These statements are genealogical fact. You have millions of ancestors who lived at all times and in many places across the globe. The human species evolved over millions of years and took many paths to spread out across the planet. You need not know the specifics of who they all were, where they lived, or what they did. In fact, you will never know the concrete facts about the lives of 99.999% of your ancestors. They're lost to history because they lived in prehistory. They lived in a time when everyone was in a state of constant direct communion with the earth and sky, with the animals and herbs, with the water and weather. They couldn't survive otherwise. They lived in a time when knowledge of the body the magic of healing and the holiness of sex and the miracle of birth and the necessity of death was held by every member of the tribe. They couldn't thrive otherwise. 
They lived in a time when reverence and a sense of the sacred spoke to them in hallowed whispers throughout the mundane tasks of daily life. They couldn't find meaning otherwise. Today, many of us ache for these old ways, yearn for the wisdom that seems so inaccessible to us in our denatured, hyperspeed modern life. The dearth of this once commonplace wisdom has led to a craving in our culture so intense that it leads many to embrace nonsense, sometimes dangerous, teachings in an attempt to feel connected to something, anything, sacred. This need not be the case. For those of us who hunger for a deeper spirituality, the simplest, realist, most powerful, and most personally meaningful way to find it is to find our ancestors. Everyone I talk to who has engaged in any sort of ancestral work has found it to be the most important source of connection, reverence, and wisdom in their lives. There's a reason that every indigenous culture on earth practices what anthropologists call ancestor worship. The spiritual imprint of those who came before us on our bodies, in our bloodline, resonates more strongly within the molecules of our bodies than any other source of knowing, being, or loving. Our ancestors shared our same genetic blueprint and the physical and non-physical gifts and foibles that shape our lives today. Even though we've never met in the physical plane, we understand our family on a soul level and can communicate there as well. These people once lived and breathed, just like we do now. They know what it is to be embodied. They gained a lifetime of wisdom. They've experienced the portal of death and have graduated to the other side. From there, they continue to influence our lives. I've found that connecting and communing with my ancestors is much easier than I'd imagined. They want us to reach out. Just as when they were living, they are still deeply entwined with and concerned with the fate of their descendants. They are our kin, they are us, and they are our surest path to self-knowledge. I think of connecting with my ancestry in three ways, three different pathways into connection with the ancestors. The first is recent genealogy. So this is how you can get to know the 0.0001% of your ancestors who left written records, the ones closest to you in time, the ones you may have known in this life, the ones your family members knew. So start by talking to the oldest living members of your family or anyone who knew them. You want two pieces of information from them. All of the names and dates you can get Full names, maiden names, birth and death dates and places, maybe marriages. And you want any stories they may be able to tell. The stories will give you insight into your own life and the human condition. And if you're lucky, will carry you through joyful and tough times for the rest of your life. Even if the stories aren't all that profound and meaningful, they will at least give you a glimpse of who these people who made you were. And I found that even those silly, simple little stories that maybe wouldn't really capture the attention of other people can just be so um, insightful for me personally. Like, here's an example. (laughs) Okay, I swear, I'm so bad at making 
things line up straight, like folding towels, folding clothes, wrapping gifts. I hate wrapping gifts. Um, Folding sleeping bags up. Like this is something I've really tried to get better at and be like, oh, it's just my story. Of course I can do this, but I swear I'm 38 years old. It's happened enough now and continues to happen where I'm just trying to make something line up and like look good. And it's so hard for me. And so I recently was reading the obituary that was read at my great grandmother's funeral. We called her Gigi. She died when I was five. So I knew her and her daughter-in-law, my grandma, um, kept this printed out, you know, in 1986 um, paper from whoever wrote her obituary. I think it was a friend of hers. And um, her name was Maggie Lorene Camp. And whoever wrote this out quotes her. They said, Lorene used to always say, Lorene used to always quote her father as saying, there never was a camp that could carry a tune or plow a straight line. So, of course, I was immediately like, oh my God, (laughs) my ancestors couldn't plow a straight line. I can't make things straight. This is an ancestral (laughs) situation that I'm dealing with here with my inability to do that. So, so little and kind of silly, but really like resonated with me. And I'm, you know, smiling as I tell this story because it is meaningful in its own small way. So the names and dates that you garner from your family or friends can get you started on ancestry.com or, you know, there's, I know there's other programs. I definitely have brand loyalty to ancestry. I just love them. They make it so easy. I've been using it for nine years now and my tree has thousands of ancestors at this point um I just yeah that they're who I go to at this point decades after ancestry was founded hundreds if not thousands of your ancestors have already been input into the databases by other descendants of theirs your many probably heretofore unknown cousins And the company has uploaded millions of files and documents and sometimes photos related to those who lived in the past. So once you input the names and dates of your closest ancestors, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, etc., it's up to you if you want to branch out into aunts and uncles, great-aunts, great-uncles. Those who came before them will magically start to fill in on the higher branches of your family tree. Now, this doesn't happen for every line, doesn't happen for everyone, but um, it, it has happened enough for me that I have found, I mean, the vast majority of ancestors I have in my family tree, I didn't know about, but someone else had put in who I'm related to. And then I found it there and got to learn about them and sometimes see their photos. So it used to take people many hours of travel and searching through musty library stacks and filling in family trees by hand is now available at our fingertips with a few strokes of the keyboard. So amazing. Learning about your recent ancestors on the internet is easy and deeply fulfilling. I I dare you to start digging into your roots and not become completely fascinated and totally obsessed. And modern technology has made uncovering your deep ancestry possible as well. So this first category here, recent genealogy, can also include autosomal DNA tests. And these are the ones that give you a percentage breakdown 
of your somewhat recent ethnic heritage. And then the second kind of ancestral DNA test that you can do is a mitochondrial or Y-DNA or deep ancestry test, which we are going to get into now in this next part. Um, so two, deep ancestry. Deep ancestry uses your DNA to trace your lineage back to ancient times, to about the last ice age, around 2,000 generations ago. This is the prehistoric period discussed above, well before agriculture or writing or settled villages. This was the hunter-gatherer period that spanned the vast majority, over 99% of human history. By uncovering your deep ancestry, you can know where your people were living at the dawn of humanity. This is done by using your DNA to trace your pure matrilineal or pure patrilineal line. The matrilineal line, mothers, 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 is traced through the mitochondrial DNA that we each inherit from our mothers, and the patrilineal line is traced through the Y chromosome, which only males carry and pass on to their sons. So for women, if you wish to trace both lines, which you might as well, um, you can only submit mitochondrial DNA because you don't have Y DNA in your body. So if you wanted to know your patrilineal line, you would need to have your brother tested. Or if you don't have a brother like me, then um, you have to have your father tested for your patrilineal line. So what I did is I tested myself for my matrilineal and then I had my dad do a test for my patrilineal. If you do have a brother, you can just do one test. If you're a woman, he can do the one test if you share both parents and you'll get your own matrilineal and patrilineal information as well. I hope this is making sense. I know it um, can be confusing at first, but males can do both because they inherit mitochondria from their mothers, as we all do, and they inherit the Y chromosome from their fathers. Females do not inherit a Y chromosome, so with our DNA, we will never get a look at our patrilineal line. Need to find a male relative to do it if you can. Um, so on that note, this yes can tell us where our people were living at the dawn of humanity, but only like two lines of our people. So I've explained many times, I love thinking about this, that for every generation back that you go in your ancestry, the amount of ancestors you have doubles. So it's literally an exponential growth thing. That's the definition of exponential growth. And so the farther back you go, the number of ancestors you have is just enormous. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's these two lines, your pure mothers, 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 fathers, 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 but then there's millions of in-between. Your mother's fathers, fathers, mothers, mothers, fathers, you know. So going back to the dawn of humanity, of course, the population gets smaller then, and your ancestors actually start to kind of collapse in on each other and um, overlap in really interesting ways. But that's another story. Um, my point is that these ancient DNA tests will give you insight into these specific lines, but of course that doesn't cover all of your ancestors or all of your deep prehistoric DNA. There's things we will just never know. So I did my tests on me and then my dad, and then I actually recently had my maternal uncle do it as well. 
So I already knew his mitochondrial DNA because it's my mitochondrial DNA as well. His mother is my mother's mother, but I wanted to know his father's people. So that was interesting. Um, I got my maternal grandfather's Y-DNA and haplogroup through that. And um, then when my dad did it years ago as well, I not only got my pure paternal line, but also his maternal line because he inherited his mother's mitochondrial DNA. So I have the pure haplogroups of both of my grandmothers and both of my grandfathers. And it's just interesting to know. I'm just someone who really geeks out about all this stuff. So I like knowing those things. Um, Haplogroups, they're just like without getting super deep into the science, which I don't understand. So I couldn't do that anyway. You can certainly look up the definition if you want, but basically genetic groups. Um, So I have tested through the Genographic Project by National Geographic. I just love everything about what they're doing and I super recommend looking into it. But you can do it now through like, I think every place that um, offers DNA tests like Ancestry, 23andMe, Family Tree DNA. There's so many. Um, but I especially loved knowing who my mother's 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 people were. If you're female, then every single woman before you gave birth to a woman who lived long enough to give birth to another woman who lived long enough to give birth to another woman. And this is an unbroken line stretching back eons. That was amazing. And I cried my eyes out when I got the results back on my matrilineal line. Um, And if you listen to my podcast interview on the Free Birth Society podcast, then you heard the story of my oldest daughter's, (laughs) now I'm thinking of it as an ancestor-assisted birth, and how I saw this line of women going back, and it got me through the hardest part of that labor and bringing my own daughter forward. So if you find out your mitochondrial DNA and you come from haplogroups UX, HV, TK, or J, I highly recommend the book The Seven Daughters of Eve by geneticist Brian Sykes. And, um, you know, although our Ice Age ancestors are so far removed from us in time and are so many more generations further back than the ancestors whose names and life events were recorded in the last few hundred years, There really is a deep resonance with our ancient kin that I have found just as real and rewarding. And an important point here is that for many reasons, all of which fall under the umbrella of white supremacy, genealogy and DNA testing work better for people of European descent. To dive deep into these reasons and for some tips for Black and Indigenous people of color, and white folks wishing to make cultural reparations, you can listen to episode, I believe it's 27 of this podcast with Darla Antwine called Anti-Racist Genealogical Research for Everyone. I will, of course, link to it in the show notes. Um, And I also recently learned about a DNA testing site that is specific for people of African descent, and that's AfricanAncestry.com. I'll link to that too. So the third way that we can cultivate a deeper connection with our ancestors is through direct communication, honoring rituals and dreams and other ways of connecting. So what if you're adopted? I mean, of course you can do the DNA tests, 
the recent genealogy is going to be a challenge unless you happen to have names of your biological parents. Or what if finding this information, doing the test, getting an ancestry account is too hard or costly or time-consuming? Or what if you found these names and places and stories and maybe even know more about your DNA and you now wish to bring your relationship with your ancestors to a deeper level? Or what if you just miss your grandma and you want to talk to her again? The simplest way that I found to commune with my ancestors is to simply talk to them like out loud, or you could write to them too. I'm thinking of starting to get into that. But I first did this speaking out loud thing spontaneously on Samhain a few years ago while driving in my car alone. I knew that in many cultures, um, that October 31st, November 1st time through the winter solstice is known as sort of a portal time when the veil between the worlds is thinnest And I'd noticed that I could feel this heightened sense of another realm being close by during that time. And this year, I just felt that I was being beckoned. So I decided to just say hello. Driving in my truck at the time on Highway 20 here near Nevada City. And I went backward through the generations, speaking the names and saying hello to the grandparents and great-grandparents that I was lucky enough to know, reminding them of times we had and thanking them for loving me, and then greeting by name those before them who I hadn't known personally, but whose names are known to me thanks to my genealogical research. So I kind of just went line by line and was like, hey, hi, Grandma Aini. You know, I miss you. I miss your biscuits and gravy, and I wish you could French braid my hair again. Thank you so much for loving me so much. And do you know I look like you? I look so much like you. I hear it from people all the time. Oh, I saw your brother recently. Hadn't seen Uncle Chuck in a while. You know that. I mean, for with my grandma Ainie, it was easy because we were so close, and I had her for so long. I think I was thirty-three when she died. And then going back, I knew both of her parents, but they died when I was young. So that was a little sparser. And then I didn't know anyone beyond them, but I had names and I would just be, you know, hi, great grandma Lula, you were born in Illinois. And then you were so young when you got called down to Arkansas to help this man raise his children after his wife died. And then you had three children of your own and then you died at 26 years old. And I just want to honor you for what you did and let you know what became of your three children. Um, Your only daughter became my great-grandmother. You know, just so she was my great-great. But just kind of like filling them in is kind of how I think about it too. Like, let me tell you what your descendants went on to do with their lives and how it led to me. And just thank you so much for being here and being you. So for those who whose names you don't know, or if you were adopted again, you can still greet each ancestor in turn going back. You know, we all have the same number of ancestors, two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents, etc. So you can just kind of greet them one by one in that way. This simple act laid the groundwork for a future of communication between me and them. Um, especially the ones closest to me in time. 
And I now speak to them frequently and feel their influence and their love. And in the case of one great grandmother, their fierce protection in my life. Adding a ritual element to this saying hello practice can add greatly to the experience. You can lay out whatever objects are meaningful to you, help you access the deep places, or remind you of your ancestors. I have a red glass bell painted with roses that was my grandma Ines that I always ring when I start my ritual, and I have found its presence and the sound of it ringing has really enhanced the experience. (laughs) It's crazy, just like this little bell has really come to be this thing that calls my ancestors in for me when I'm sitting in this way. And so I don't tend to hear direct words spoken to me or have like blinding flashes of insight during these rituals. It's rather a feeling that comes to me that helps to guide me forward. And often things will happen afterward, worldly things like coincidence or opportunities or otherworldly things like dreams that seem like a direct gift from the ancestors brought about by my opening this bridge of communication. Uh, Something that happened recently was that I connected with an ancestor and later, like the next day, I just got, well, actually during that, during the connection, I got this message to drink more tea. And then I was like, okay, that sounds great. I could definitely drink more tea in my life. But then the next day I realized like, oh, and stop drinking coffee. And I loved that because it wasn't like the ancestor came to me with like, bad girl, stop drinking that coffee. You know, it was like a positive instead suggestion, drink more tea. But the next day it kind of extended to, yeah, and by the way, like lay off the coffee. Um, And that really served me for the following month. I quit the coffee, drank a ton of tea, and it reset like a pattern that I had been going through that wasn't very healthy. So again, it's not always like some blinding flash of insight that happens while you're in the ritual, while you have the lines of communication open. It can be a gradual like revealing of wisdom. Um, Dreams that feature ancestors or that seem to contain a message from them are magic working on two levels. When our ancestors enter the dream time in order to communicate with us, we better heed their message. Um, And by working on two levels, I mean, of course, like the level of dream magic and the level of ancestor magic. And they, when I get dream messages from my ancestors, it's just the most like powerful and profound experience. And then we can also make art related to the stories and lives of our ancestors and that can really deepen our connection to them as well um so years ago i've talked about this before i'll try to make it brief here i talked about in episode seven with lara valeda vesta but i had a dream in which i found a rolled up scroll embedded in the bone of my right wrist and i'm right-handed And when I unfurled it, the name of my three times great-grandfather, William Newton Wright, was written on it. So to me, the message became clear after um, working this out and getting help from Atava, who was on the podcast, um, Atava Garcia Swaziki. And the message was right. 
last name right in my right wrist. I want to be a writer. I want to write about my ancestors and always had, but hadn't yet done it. So like I've only ever wanted to write in this life. And that dream told me unequivocally that it was time to start taking that desire seriously. Write, write, write. The scrolls are in your bones. Write and write about your ancestors. So wordplay is a great way to get my attention. And the ancestors knew that. (laughs) And I love that. And I did start writing after that about my ancestors, which has led directly to what I talk about on this podcast. Um, So my first project after that dream, thanks to the guidance again of Atava, was to write out the story of the death of the first child born to my great-grandparents, the Wrights, both of whom I was lucky enough to know as a child. So these are my Grandma Aini's parents. Um, Aini, Dathel Inez Wright, who always went by Inez, but most people called her Aini, was the oldest of four, but she was not the firstborn. Her parents had had a boy a year or two before she came along. So I'd always heard about how their firstborn child, Cletus, had died at six weeks old during a freezing backwoods Arkansas winter and how the mules hauling his tiny coffin had given out and the driving rain on their way to the cemetery and how the hole they attempted to dig kept collapsing in on itself during the muddy burial. Um, Yeah, my dad's people like to tell stories, however sad they may be. And so writing out this story seemed like a good way to honor my dream and the life of the boy who would have been my grandmother's older brother and the grief of everyone involved. And writing it out in a sort of fictionalized way was a really beautiful and healing experience to cast my mind back there. And I loved making art out of this ancestral story. And so when it was done, I printed the story and read it out loud to my father, who was visiting at the time. Cletus, of course, would have grown to be his uncle. Um, And my sister, who was there too, and my then four-year-old daughter, who's now 12. And then we rolled it up into a scroll, again honoring my dream, and buried it beneath a tree in my front yard at the time. And it was a really simple and like spontaneous ritual, but it tied us all to one another and to our ancestors in a way that we will never forget. It was a really special moment. I've also been able to connect with my deep ancestry through drumming, something I had never had an interest in before I came upon a Sami drum at a yard sale a few years ago. Now, I am not descended from the Sami, but they, most Sami, are also descended from the same ancient grandmother that I am through my mitochondrial DNA. So most Sami are also a part of haplogroup V, which is my mitochondrial DNA. So I'm not descended from them, but we are descended from the same ancient group of folks living in northernmost Europe during the last ice age, where the indigenous Sami are still living today. So they never left that land, whereas my ancestors did. They came farther south and then eventually over the Atlantic Ocean. So finding that artifact and starting to use it in ritual has opened me up to a whole new level of relationship with my prehistoric kin. Um, If you have unresolved issues, bad memories, sorry, that was my two-year-old trying to um, break into the room in which I'm recording this. So if you have 
unresolved issues or bad memories with an ancestor that is impeding your recent genealogical work or deep ancestral work or ritual work, then I recommend listening to my podcast episode number 26 with Dr. Daniel Four. These things can definitely get in the way of ancestral connection, but there are very clear ways to address them and work through them and move forward. Um, In fact, Daniel's work in general provides a wonderful framework for connecting with one's ancestors in a way that requires no genealogical knowledge, so perfect for adoptees or people who don't have this information. And you can check it out, and you can even work one-on-one with a lineage healing practitioner Um, there's folks of all ancestral backgrounds at ancestralmedicine.org. So in conclusion, like whatever your story, wherever you live, whoever your people, you are the product of the love of millions. You literally wouldn't exist if every single one of your ancestors hadn't existed. And they clearly Um, were incredibly wise people who knew how to live in harmony, in communion, in mutual, reciprocal, respectful relationship with the earth and all the beings on it, because they wouldn't have survived if that knowledge didn't live in them. And it still lives in you. It was passed down to you. It is literally in your blood and it is your ancestral right to have a relationship with the earth and all of its beings so you're here because they were here and they live in you and you can know yourself most deeply by knowing them more fully i'm gonna say that again you can know yourself most deeply by knowing them more fully so If you're on any sort of healing journey, if you want to be more grounded in your own medicine, if you want to feel more aligned with your soul calling, I just cannot think of a more powerful way to do those things than by coming to know your ancestors. So go forth, go forth and do this. Um, If you want to be a part of the Medicine Stories Facebook group, if you want any advice around this, if you want to share stories about this, there's a lot of talk about people's own ancestral stories and questions there. And thank you so much for listening. It's such an honor to feel the voices of my own ancestors speaking through me and encouraging people to find their ancestors. I truly feel like it's this like um, direct line of communication, direct flow of energy from my ancestors through me to you. And that like everyone in the other realm is stoked on the good work that the folks still embodied on the earth right now are doing to connect more deeply. So go talk to them out loud. You know, as soon as you stop listening to this, speak out loud to at least one of your ancestors. Okay. Until next week. Oh, and next week is going to be an ancestrally themed podcast episode as well. I will be interviewing Dr. Pavani Moray. 
Uh, Pavani has a great podcast called Bespoken Bones that you should check out if you're into this kind of stuff. Um, the tagline is Ancestors at the Crossroads of Science, Sex, and Magic. So that's how awesome Pavani is, and that's how awesome this interview is. Um, I will be with you next week. Thank you for taking these medicine stories in. I hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self. I love sharing information and will always put any relevant links in the show notes. You can find my blog, handmade herbal medicines, past podcast episodes, and a lot more at mythicmedicine.love. While you're there, I invite you to click the purple banner across the top of the page to take my quiz, which healing herb is your plant familiar? It's a fun and lighthearted quiz, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with the medicine that you're in need of. If you love the show, please consider supporting my work at patreon.com slash medicine stories. There's some killer rewards there, um, exclusive content, access to online courses, free, beautiful, downloadable ebooks, coupon codes, giveaways, and just amazing gifts provided by past guests of the podcast. All of that stuff is at the $2 a month level. Um, for a little more, you can access my herbal ebook or my small online course. And that's all there as a thank you, a huge thank you from me and from my guests for listening, for supporting this work. I love figuring out what I can give to people on Patreon. It's so fun. And I love that Patreon makes it that you can um, contribute for such a small amount a month. I'm a crazy busy and overwhelmed mom and adding this project into my life has been a questionable move for sure, but I love doing it and I love the feedback that I get from you all and I just pray that the Patreon continues to allow me the financial wiggle room to keep on doing it while giving back to everyone who's listening um, if you're unable to do that, or if you'd like to support further, I would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would review the podcast on iTunes too, really helps get it into other ears. And it means so much to me when I read those reviews, it's, um, like the highlight of my week when I check them and see new ones and people are amazing. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. The music that opens and closes the show is by Marie Sue, M-A-R-I-E-E-S-I-O-U-X. It's from her song Wild Eyes, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Thank you so much, and I look forward to next time. <laughs>